Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. You're listening to Midnight Radio. We have a lot of stories we're going to go over tonight. The theme being, if there is a unifying theme, is did the devil make me do it? But before we go into that, I want to let you know that if you're interested, you can go to anchor.fm slash midnightrad and pick yourself up a paid membership. The paid memberships are $5, only $5 a month. And with that membership, you get a lot of extra content. You've got a lot of extra content in the past, and they're going to get even more in the future. For example, I'm currently about to release my latest documentary. It's called The Soul Collector. That book is based, well, it's a documentary that's based on a book by Joni Mahan. I interviewed her, asked her all about her experience but also i searched the world to find an exorcist and i found one in germany his name is brother joachim and he goes over this documentary with me we sit down there together and we picked apart piece by piece of her story and he had comments about all of it and how to keep your soul protected and what the devil's actually allowed to do and that's why i'm doing this documentary Actually, this radio show today is called Did the Devil Make Me Do It? It's a question. Did the, can the devil make you do things? Can he do it? We're going to find out. I'm telling you, before I talk to him about these things, before I talk to him, I had a different opinion. And now I see things a little bit differently. And I'm telling you right now, you might want to turn this off right now. Because it's a red pill, blue pill situation. You're going to be taking the red pill right now, and you're going to be seeing things differently, especially if you're a member. So if you're a member and you go to anchor.fm slash midnight rad and you grab yourself that membership, you're going to see the behind the scenes of everything he talks about. Now, there's parts of him in the documentary, but not many. And we had a real hard time editing it because everything he said was gold. But we did have to take most of everything he said out of the documentary. And I will be releasing that as an extra just for paid members. Paid members, paid members only. Other than that, as a paid member or as a member, you get everything earlier than you'd get it on YouTube or any other place if you go to YouTube there. Again, that is anchor.fm slash midnight rad. If you'd like to call in and leave a comment or question about the show you're listening to today, you can do that. Sometimes I open up the phone line live during the show, and I'll continue to do that later. But until then, if you have a comment or question about what I'm talking about today, the phone number is 325-261-0892. Even if you're watching The Soul Collector, and I talk to both of the people in the documentary, and I ask them, if somebody calls me with a question about something you said in the documentary, can I contact you later and you'll answer it? They both said yes. So, and that also goes with all my other documentaries. Any person you see in them and you have a question about the documentary you're listening to, no other place offers you this, but I put it on the ground floor. The phone number is 325-261-0892. If you have a comment or question, you leave that. We're going to play it on the show. We're going to answer it back to you. I'll answer it back to you via an, an email. That, and also, that is the best way to get a hold of me. If you want to tell me something, you call that number, 325 
Leave your message and I'll get back with you. I have some news stories I'm going to cover today, but before I do that, I want to tell you about something that happened to me when we were filming the the Soul Collector. I, I spent many hours talking to the people that you'll see on the screen. Brother Yahim, for example, I remember... I talked to him for five hours one day. None of that was recorded. That was just him and I talking. And uh, the day of the documentary shoot, that was a five-hour conversation of which a lot less of that gets into the show. But we took two breaks during the second interview with him. Um, During the second break, I went to the restroom and I sat on the toilet and I got demonically attacked. Absolutely true. And if you see the footage, if you remember, you can see how I was listening to him, some of the things he was saying, and I was getting uncomfortable. You'll notice that. And actually, I think there's one part on there where I hit a thing on my chair and it knocked me down, so that's pretty funny. But again, that's only for members. But you can see I get increasingly uncomfortable and more uncomfortable and more uncomfortable as I'm sitting there talking to him. I go to the restroom, I sit down, and all of a sudden I get hit with a bout of nausea and dizziness. Now, I'm not talking about, let's say you stood up too fast, or maybe even if you sat down too fast, you get dizzy, disoriented. And that's usually from a change in blood pressure due to dehydration. That is not what this was. This was absolutely dizziness to the point of passing out. I was about to lose consciousness. I felt a presence with me. I felt a presence. It did not want me to continue, and I prayed out to Jesus to please free me from this, give me the strength to continue the interview, and it went away. Then I realized I just got attacked by the devil. And I went back in there, put it out of my mind just like that, and I went back to, and I finished the interview. Now, I finished the interview, and after it was done, I went to my living to my kitchen where my wife was. I took my hat off, and in the middle of my head, there was a red indentation, like someone pressed their thumb into the top of my, in the center of my head, you know, right above my brow, and it was indented and red in the shape of a thumb. It looked like the alien symbol for my alien hat I used to wear. Notice I said used to wear. I looked in the mirror, and yes, it looked like the alien head, and I I just, I found it funny. During the interview, I switched the hats, and you'll notice that in the interview, and if you're a member and you have a membership there, it's going to be in the footage where I talk about it with the exorcist about me changing the hat. It was at his request, and I didn't have a problem with that. But as soon as I saw that indentation in my head, I busted out laughing because I thought it was funny. I'm like, now Satan's stupid, stupid so low as to attack people on the toilet. I'm like, I got attacked by Satan on the toilet. How funny is that? I say Satan, and that would be the whole side. And after talking to the exorcist, and let me tell you this, you might want to note this, there is no black and white. There 
every sin is just as horrible as the next, and you do well to try to stay away from all of them. Don't talk about other people. Do not lie. Do not cheat. Do not steal. And anything that displeases God that you know, you try to stay away from it like the plague. Because if you don't, you are opening yourself up. And especially if you know you're not supposed to be doing it, don't do it. Believe me, I've learned the hard way. And I'm I'm not talking about, we all know lying and cheating and stealing, but there's other things and you think, well, should I be doing this? Well, I don't, yeah, I'm doing it, but I don't mean it this way. I'm telling you, you stay away from it. Can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, there's different ranks of demons. It would have to be one of the little ones, right? He goes there and he's in the line of his assignments for the day. And then he gets his, he gets his um, ticket of what he's supposed to do. And he's like, attack somebody in the toilet. It's like, yes, you messed up before. So this is your assignment today. And if you mess this up, you are in a lot of trouble. There's a toilet in the Badlands of Texas. I need you to go there and haunt it. Ah, oh, geez. He's talking about us. We don't want him talking about us. So... You're going to let him know he's not going to talk about us. He takes his ticket and he has to fly down here to the Badlands of Texas and assault someone on the toilet. Man, can you imagine that? You know what? There's something else about, I mean, Satan attacking people on the toilet is nothing sacred. You know, a funny story. When my my father was living here, let's see, my son was about... Well, he's potty training age, one and a half, two years old. And he would refuse to go in the toilet over here. And I asked him, I go, why won't you go? I tell him to go in there and use it. And he'd go, no. I asked him, I go, why won't you go in there? And he told me, he goes to the toilet, he goes right there. And he was afraid. And his eyes were big. He goes, there's a monster on that toilet. I go, a monster? What do you mean a monster? What does it look like? I don't see anything here. And he said it had big horns and it had the face and eyes of a buffalo, like a minotaur sitting on the toilet. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have a haunted toilet. I don't know whether to call an exorcist or a plumber. What about a haunted toilet? Has anyone else had a haunted toilet? I've never heard a story like this before. A haunted or demonic infested toilet, whatever you want to call it. So have you guys seen the commercial for the Wonder Bible? You know, it's like an MP3 player with a speaker in it that reads the Bible to you. I have one. I'm going to put it on the toilet and have it play out the whole Bible sitting there on that toilet. Maybe that'll cleanse it. It'll do something bleach can't. It's a funny story, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Maybe a priest could come in and he could make the water in the toilet bowl holy. What, what do you do here in this situation? Have I had any other experiences other than in the toilet? Well, yes. I was laying down, and this is since, since the, I was working on the Soul Collector documentary. It's like I've been getting attacked because of the Soul Collector documentary. Not only the toilet, but I was laying in bed, and I was right on the tip of falling asleep. Maybe on the other side of it, you know, right where if you're at school and you're at this point, you dream you're falling out of your chair. It's that point where you fall in to the great unknown. You fall into the other side. You go to sleep 
ladies and gentlemen, and that's where I was at. My wife was still going through her beauty routine. She goes and lays down on the bed, and she wakes me up, and I jump start, you know. And she's like, I'm sorry I didn't know you are asleep. I told her, I'm glad you woke me up because I was having some really bad nightmares, and here's what happened to me. There was a demon who sat on the bed or leaned into me, put his mouth, his hot breath right in my ear and said, you lost two more people on YouTube. Actually, he didn't even say YouTube. You lost, I think it was members. You lost two members. They don't like you. And I assumed he meant the um, the membership at anchor.fm slash midnight rad. And I, my wife woke me up and I was glad for it. But I really experienced that, whether it was real or not. I didn't go to sleep thinking about any of that. I checked it later and it was absolutely true. I'm like, wow. And I said, go go away. I don't care about things like that, is what I said. Or as was my thought right before my wife woke me up. Like, I don't care about that. The next night, I woke up out of bed. My wife wasn't there. I went back to sleep, didn't think anything about it. That morning, I asked my wife, I go, where did you go? And she told me, she said, well, our son got up. Sometimes he gets cold or he doesn't like sleeping by himself or that boy would like stay up all night and watch TV if he could. Well, he got up, she went out there with him and they were asleep on the couch in the den. She said she was laying on there on the couch and she woke up and she looked over there by a bookshelf we have in the den she saw her son there sitting there playing and like he was talking to somebody, you know, but he does that sometimes he talks to himself. He'll talk to the incredible Hulk or pretend he's an Avenger or Iron Man or Buzz Lightyear or something like that. So she said it didn't bother at first, you know, he was just over there playing and he wasn't hurting anything, but then she felt the weight on her, her chest where she was holding our son. And then she started to get afraid. She started to get scared, but she couldn't move. She looked back over there. She shook. She looked back over there at the bookshelf, and she saw the little boy. She was her son was gone, and there was a dark entity over there in that corner. It was coming towards her. And then she woke up. Now, I don't believe in coincidences. I think all these are warning signs for me not to put the documentary out. Let me tell you this. They're very convincing. They're very convincing. It would be easy to say, well, forget all of it. Because let me tell you, getting, doing what I do, getting the information I get out and the investigations I do, I don't benefit from it. Not, maybe, you know, that's harsh to say. Maybe I do in some ways. But it cost me a lot. Let me let me put that to you. Any any benefit I do get from it would have to be mental. Because physically, it's not so good. There's a lot of determinants to doing what I do. I'm putting it out. I'm putting both sides of it. I'm putting it out today, tonight. I'm going to put it out for the member section. 
you're a member, you can watch it. And I'm not putting out, you know, usually what I do is I put it out to the members, you know, the paid membership. Everything there is free. But the membership, paid members, you get it, you get it a week or two early, and then it drops down to anybody else. So if anybody wants to subscribe to the podcast, you can use your favorite podcasting app, whatever it is. Type in Midnight Radio. You see the picture of the radio head icon. But if you want to get it first, you can go to anchor.fm slash midnight rad, get you a paid membership or a regular membership. I'm only going to put this out to the paid, not because it is so good because it is, but I'm putting it out because I just don't want to put this out for general release. Now I have a different version of it. that's edited a little bit. That's going to be put out for general release, but the whole footage is only for members. And then the whole documentary, that's going to come out later. In October, I'm going to release the whole documentary. So you can get all, get it all early. Now, you are getting the whole documentary and what I'm releasing. Don't get me wrong, but you're getting a lot more. Uh, about You're getting about three and, a, three and, and maybe a three and a half hour footage of the exorcist and myself going over the documentary, watching it, sitting there, watching it. Um, mystery science theater style. We're not telling jokes though, but that's what you're getting for the $5 membership. And you're going to get a whole lot more starting now. And they've already got a lot in the past, but now I'm kicking it up. If you guys haven't noticed, we have a radio stream, go to midnightrad.io. That's our website, midnightrad.io. And on there, you got some of the best music you've ever listened to for sitting there, relaxing, getting your blood flowing a little bit. It's really good music. And in the evening, we have old-time radio shows from about 9 o'clock until midnight. One of my all-time favorites, Black Museum. I love that. And we're going to have more information for you on our radio stream there. And that's going to be... I'm going to update you on that here. Now let's go over some of the stories we have tonight. Once again, if you want to call in about any of these stories, you want to put in your two cents, that's 325-261-0892. Here we go. Let's talk about some of these stories. Now, I told you the theme was, the devil made me do it. Does the devil actually intervene in people's lives Does he actually intervene in people's lives and make them do things? I talked to the exorcist about this, and he is convinced that even if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're living in sin, unrepented sin, and you don't seek to be sin-free through the power of Jesus, that at a low level, you can be under demonic influence, absolutely. He goes, it's not like the exorcist where you have somebody vomiting pea soup in their head spinning around. He goes, that would be with like a complete possession, and that would be with someone who didn't believe, but you can't have a demonic presence inside of you nonetheless. For example, the example he gave was like if you had an addiction to pornography and you absolutely tried everything you can do and you can't beat it, He goes, more likely than not, that is demonic influence. Well, if it's demonic influence, there would be patterns, wouldn't there be? I wrote a book 
called I Will Find You by Detective Joe Ken- Kenda. Detective Joe Kenda. Now, I think it is, um, I don't want to get this wrong, the ID Network. And I think he also moved to Discovery where he has a show about his life experiences being a police detective in Colorado, Springs, Colorado. I'm telling you, I, I recommend that book. I do recommend that book. It's very dark. And in that book, he describes how he doesn't believe in God. He also describes about familial side, people that kill their families, mainly men. And he said that he doesn't believe in God because he doesn't or deal or he doesn't deal with religion. Maybe not that he doesn't believe in God, but he wonders how God could let such evil things happen. And dealing with familiar side, he talks about this one case where this father shot his five-year-old son and his wife in this trailer, and he left a note. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but in this note, he, he talked about what it had in it, and he said, I don't know how many people that have killed their families, how many men have killed their families like this and left the exact same note. The note went something along the lines of this. I tried, I tried, I tried. I couldn't take it anymore. I saw no other choice. Of course, there were plenty of other choices. He could have got divorced or simply walked away. But we're talking about patterns of the devil here. And before, I'd say, whoa, people are evil. People are evil enough on their own. But now, since I was attacked on the toilet, since I was talking to the brother, Yohim, I'm seeing different patterns. I am. I took the red pill and I'm all in now. I see that pattern and I'm thinking, I think there is something to do with this. I think there are probably demonic spirits inside of people that are believers or think they're believers and probably demonic spirits in just every one of these stories in these people that are killing their families. Ladies and gentlemen, there are a lot of these stories lately. There are so many of these stories, it almost made my eyes cross. I mean, literally in the past two days, I've seen five. Here's one of the stories right now. And first tonight, the Cecil County Sheriff's Office is investigating a shooting in Elks Mills. Three children were among five dead just a little after nine this morning. Deputies responded to the home on Hebron Court for a report of a woman and three children shot there. They say a man called 911 before hanging up the phone. And when they arrived, they found a man shot inside a detached garage. Deputies found a semi-automatic gun near him. The four others were inside the home. The sheriff did not explicitly call this a murder-suicide. There's not a public safety concern as far as it going outside of this. So the community is, um, there is none of that concern. It's grief is what it is at this point. Those children were in fifth 7th and 8th grades. The sheriff's office is trying to find and notify the family's relatives. The motive remains under investigation. That's where we're at. That's what happened. And later they did rule it a murder-suicide. Oh, man, how horrible is this? It's a nice house, too. The... Let's see... 
the murderer, the one that had the gun by him, was Marcus Mulligan. He was 39, his wife. Tara Milligan, 37. Their 14-year-old daughter. Their 11-year-old daughter and their 8-year-old son all found murdered. Absolutely horrible. Parents. It's always the same thing. When it comes to murder in a family, you find the husband's been cheating or the wife was cheating. And if the wife is cheating, she, she usually has somebody else try to kill her husband. That is not the case this time. There's usually sexual infidelity, and that's one of the things I'll learn from Brother Yahim. It's something called a soul tie to where having sex with somebody ties your soul to theirs. And there's also demonic soul ties, and sometimes your soul can be tied to the demonic with sin. And there's lying. There's pride. I see that a lot. This is absolutely tragic. And yeah, it just takes your breath away. Got another story here that I want to talk to you about. This was a first class passenger was just, I got this from today. She was sentenced to prison after she interfered with crew members aboard a flight that had to be diverted. Now, you hear about this a lot, but you hear the people, and this has happened more than it ever has in the history of our society. They're getting kicked off airplanes, mostly it's for not wearing the face mask. People got tired of tyranny. But Kelly Picardo and another first-class passenger engaged in intimidating behavior. This happened on February 24th on the flight. Both women had to be removed from the plane after it landed at Phoenix Sky Harbor. Which I've been to that airport before. Very stark. Picardo also allegedly spat at the man when he tried to record the altercation. The case was investigated by the FBI, who refuses to investigate the case with Brad Pitt in it. But I digress. And Phoenix police and the two women were indicted for disorderly conduct for verbally and physically assaulting other customers and flight crew members. The prosecutor said that Picardo's 32-year-old resident of the Bronx had been ordered to pay nearly $9,200 in restitution to American Airlines as a result of the altercation. Now, I heard that number and I thought, well, that's not too bad. You know... Definitely the price of plane fuel. For the extra time, I would have charged her the salaries of the crew. They say that she will also serve three years of supervised release following her prison sentence. Her prison sentence is four months. So she gets four months, $9,200, and she's on probation. Now, it doesn't say whether she was drunk or not or whatever. The other female passenger involved in the incident... Lisa Rodriguez has pled guilty and will be sentenced in November. She hasn't been sentenced yet. A representative of American Airlines said that the two women are placed on the internal refuse to list pending further investigation, which will probably be for life. So apparently the airlines themselves, there's a national do not fly list and there is a a federal no fly list and there's also one by each individual airline. Does that have anything to do with the devil? I don't know. Last month, we covered here on Midnight Radio, through a YouTube page, there is no record of it, 
We covered the Alex Jones trial. And it was very interesting because, for me, I'm interested in it because I have a history with Alex Jones. When I was in Ohio, and, I, you know, just yesterday, I pulled up some of the old audio from the the radio station I used to be a producer for. And it was from during this time. And one of my jobs was every morning I had to go through all the news, see what the national news was saying. And uh, it was Sandy Hook, the time of Sandy Hook. And I got on there that morning to see what Alex Jones had to say about it. And I was gobsmacked at him saying how it was fake. And how, how the parents involved were crisis actors. I just... Wow, what he was saying. And I knew that that was his modus operandi. It's one of the things he uses to make money, which is quite disgusting. But see, in order for people to get money out of doing audio or video on the internet, I or actually making you buy a hot dog, a brand of hot dog or clothes detergent, is I have to make you afraid. And it sells, fear sells. For example, I could say, well, if you don't use this kind of detergent in your clothes i can show you evidence that it'll actually break your your uh, clothes washing machine your washing machine which is actually true and i might i might have an article up about that later on our website midnightrad.io but it's absolutely true or i can say your government is trying to kill you and if you want to live and if you want to know more than other people you need to come to my website you need to listen to Alex Jones, you need to go to Prison Planet because they're out to get you. Therefore, if that's how I make money, and I saw the way he was operating, he would have a desk and he would have it filled full of paperwork of all the top news stories of the day. Really, and I know how radio works. There's To be on three or four hours a day, there cannot be that a whole lot of preparation for that. If you're doing multiple topics, you'll take... Art Bell from the day, and he was on for three hours. Yes, he was preparing for one topic. That's different. And the way Alex Jones is doing it is different. I prepared for what I'm talking to you about, but I had a greater amount of time to do it. So he sat there. All he has is a newspaper articles in front of him when he sits down in front of that microphone. So how do you do it? You have to put your own slight, your own, you have to draw your own conclusions of how you're going to make money. You know, lean to the side of making money. And he's making money by saying the government is a bunch of liars. This is the way he did it. You know, when he's wrong a lot, more than he's ever right. But when he's right, that's all you tout is when you're right. And that's what he did. And that's what he continued to do in the business. He made us sick. Of course, that's later he got kicked off YouTube and he got kicked off of Twitter. And, um, Neil Breslin, and that is the name of the man that sued him in his last defamation trial in August, August 3rd. That was the father of one of the Sandy Hook victims. Alex Jones said that that man was personally attacking free speech. He was an enemy of free speech, and he was attacking. I, I heard him say this with my own ears. But really, to me, that's what Alex Jones is. He is right pushing the border, and there's a lot of, he said, was lies. Okay, now he's pushing the line, and that's okay, but he'd step over just for a monetary gain. For example, he said what he said about Sandy Hook. 
the day he said it. Okay, I just told you the business model. I can understand it. Now that you've heard it, you can understand it. But then when there's evidence released, or no, no, that's not what happened at all, you know, you correct yourself while I stand corrected. He didn't. He doubled down, and for years, years purposely, he attacked the narrative, saying that it was all fake. So you're telling parents that the murder of their children is fake or that the government is the one that did it. This is disgusting. And when it came to the point where he knew he still attacked the families, we're talking like six years, people. He did not stop. He was incessant. There came to a point where he did stop, but he didn't. They asked him, please, this is not true. Please stop. He he kept on. He would go right on that night, and he would attack the families. I'm all for him losing in court. And believe you me, this isn't about freedom of speech. It is not. The world would be a better place if Alex Jones did go away. There's a lot of stuff he says that are right, but I'm telling you, there is a lot of, this man is evil. I'm going to tell you this right now. And at the time, there's a book. The name of the man who wrote it, his first name was Bill. I can't remember his second name is called a pale horse. And he talked about meeting Alex Jones in the late nineties and he was being interviewed about the book on Alex Jones show. And he's, he, and this was a guy, a stand up guy. And he was, um, he was one of the first alternate views, alternate media streaming radio personalities. You probably haven't even heard of him. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So if you're watching, if you're listening to the podcast, you can look in the notes there and you're going to see, a link to actually let me make a note. Pell horse. And I think Alex Jones might be in that book, but not in a favorable way. But he talked about Alex Jones. He goes, man, this guy is a liar. He is a little liar. So that is where we're at. And you know, Ladies and gentlemen, I hate to say this because I believe in freedom of speech. And I believe during the the COVID pandemic, the government came down on freedom of speech and these personal companies did like you would not believe. And they still, they're still doing it for different topics on this day. And there's going to be a reckoning like what's going on with Elon Musk and Twitter right now. There's going to be a reckoning. And that's fine because when that reckoning happens, these companies are going to be in a lot of trouble where they can barely operate. All right. A month after losing one, almost $50 million from the verdict, Alex Jones is set to go to trial a second time for calling the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting a hoax and causing several of the victims' families emotional and psychological harm. A six-member jury with several alternates in Connecticut will begin hearing evidence Tuesday on how much Jones should pay the families. The families. Not the two people that sued him. Not Neil Neil Breslin and his ex-wife, but all the families. Since he has already been found liable for damages to them, the trial is expected to last about four weeks. 
Last month, the Texas jury ordered Jones to pay $49.3 million to the parents of six-year-old Jesse Lewis, one of 26 students and teachers killed in the 2012 shooting in Newton, Newtown, Connecticut. Jones's lawyer has set an appeals plan, I'm sure. Now, the Connecticut case has the potential for a larger award because it involves three lawsuits, which have been consolidated, that were filed by 15 plaintiffs, including the relatives of nine of the victims and a former FBI agent who responded to the shooting. Okay. I'll tell you this right now. There's a cap on damages, and it's like $3 million. So they could make it $500 million. They made it $49 million, but that's not going to stand because there's a cap uh, that people can be awarded in Texas. So, no, he is not paying $49 million. But still, these are different plaintiffs. There's 15 different plaintiffs, and this is Connecticut, not Texas. I'm going to continue to cover this because this is a sticky situation, very sticky because, well, here, let me play this footage. NBC News, streaming free now. We do want to begin this half hour, though, with a check of the headlines. InfoWars broadcaster Alex Jones is being sued again by families of the victims of the Sandy Hook school shooting. Nine families, in fact, are accusing the far-right conspiracy theorist of systematically transferring millions of dollars to himself and his relatives while claiming bankruptcy. They say Jones was attempting to avoid paying them as they seek damages from Jones for falsely claiming the shooting was a hoax. Earlier this month, the Texas jury ordered Jones to pay nearly $50 million to the parents of one of the children killed at Sandy Hook. 20 students and six adults were killed in the 2012 shooting. So he kept on going about on Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook. From 2012 to 2015, he was saying it was all fake. um, I saw the testimony. I saw every bit of it. And this man blames everybody else but himself. Well, there was this one guy named Halbig, who gave him the information that he wanted to hear. That's why I put him on the air. And Oh, wow, look, he happens to have a book. I can't remember his first name, but Mr. Halbig is what they said in the trial. Now, what this guy did is he formerly was a member of the Highway Patrol, I believe, and he wrote a book about government conspiracies. And I think he also wrote a book about Sandy Hook, and they say he was mentally unstable, and I tend to believe it. He took... One of the family members from Sandy Hook, he also doubled down with Alex Jones from 2012 to 2015 talking about how Sandy Hook was fake. And he, who lied about his credentials, by the way, and that was released in the trial, he doubled down. And he wound up taking one of the family members, uh, one of the fathers of one of the deceased victims, and he doxed him. Now, here's what doxing is, because I've seen a lot of people misstating what doxing is. All right, there's a term called, I don't know, legal name. What is your legal name? Your legal name is legal for anybody to know. My name is Jerry Adams. Hello, what is yours? Anybody can give out your name. That is not doxing. That is not doxing. Giving out public information is not doxing. So even your address is not necessarily doxing. But if I give your social out, your social, your phone number, your address, 
Ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, that is doxing. I give your picture, who you are, your name, your address, your social, your credit score, all this, and I give it out to the public. That is doxing. And if it meets that criteria, it has to be somebody living, not dead. That is doxing, and that will put you in a federal prison for three to seven years, which currently Mr. Halbig is in there for doing that very thing against a father of one of the deceased victims. He's doing a three-year stint right now. So that is where he is. It's a real thing. It is absolutely a real thing. And this, this is one of the informants for Alex Jones. I wrote an article about this. I didn't post it. I'm going to finish that up and post it. And I want to, I want to know what you think about this. Does Alex Jones really represent free speech? Even though this happened in 2012 and according to his own testimony, he kept on talking about it, that it was fake, that it was planned, that it was orchestrated by the government until 2015. And then he stopped talking about it but only periodically. Do you think that he really represents free speech and they can quiet people? What if, let me, let me explain this. I, I am morally and lawfully obligated to speak the truth up here when I'm behind this microphone. I'm stream right now. We're streaming live on midnightrad.io, and there's a podcast of this. It'll be up on all the major podcast apps on midnight radio. Let's say this morning I get up and I hear there's a school shooting. That's all I did is I heard it. Could I report the school shooting? Yes. Can I get up, give out a number of how many kids or faculty were injured? Absolutely. Might that change later? Yes. You correct it as you go. Would I in a million years dream to say that it was fake? The morning of. It happened at 3.30 yesterday. In the morning, I get on here and I talk about it being fake. Would I even dream of doing that? No, I would not. Okay, what if, example, somebody contacted me and they say, hey, that's not real. That was an inside job. You should check into it. Would I? Yes, I would. And if it was close to me, maybe in the same state I'm in, if it's that big a story, I would drive there and check it out, get all the info I could before I said anything. That's what a logical person would do. Now, logically, what he was doing was to beat the drum, get everybody to think the government is trying to come after them, but he stands for justice. Tune into me. I need your help fighting this dark forces against me. That is what he was doing. And for that, he must pay. And he did that from 2012 to 2015, even after he knew what he said was absolutely wrong. Phone number is 325-261-0892, 325-261-0892. Leave us up to a three-minute voicemail message. I want to know what you think. I wrote an article about this. I haven't released it yet. I'm going to finish it up, release it, and as he goes on to this new trial, I will update the article because this is important. Because Alex Jones did things that did affect me. He he affected my job. He affected the way internet radio is done and the way radio is done, period. That is what that man did at the time. 
someone asked me when we're doing the live stream, they asked me, what about Howard Stern? Well, Howard Stern is doing the same thing in effect of the way he would do. He would ratchet up drama between him and other radio personalities. And if he couldn't do that, he would ratchet up drama between him and the internal workings of his own crew. He'd do that too. And then he would do all kinds of things like have strippers on and just. But if you didn't like Howard Stern, you didn't tune in. Simple as that. What Alex Jones did affect, affected everybody. He got kicked off of YouTube, and and because of the things he was saying, there's people that didn't, there was advertisers that didn't want to be associated with him. So the way advertisement is done, the policies on YouTube was dictated by what this man did. So he got kicked off of YouTube, and everybody else there that was left have to abide with the rules, but he doesn't because he has his own platform. He took he had his own he had his own following already. Thank you very much. Shakes hands, goes off to his own platform. Now I have I have my own platform too, but I don't have the following that he did and that he got from YouTube and no one else can to the degree he did. Ah, he just messed things up for everybody. That's what he did. Dangerous. All right, I got new stories. Another story here. This one is not as dark, but it's very interesting to me. Uh, it's titled "A South Carolina Tipster Report Sighting of Two A Sighting of Missing Melissa Highsmith, who disappeared from Texas 51 years ago. She was missing from Fort Worth, Texas, in '71 when she was a toddler. That's right, 51 years ago. Now, the reported sighting occurred in Charleston, South Carolina, according to the organization dedicated to finding the missing children. She disappeared from Fort Worth August 23rd, 71, when she was just 21 months old. And I'm going to put the pictures up on the website. By the way, there's going to be a post of everything I'm saying here. You can go to midnightrad.io and you can see what I'm talking about. But holy moly. So does she look a lot like her toddler picture? Because you can see her picture now. It might be, I want to say it's an age progression picture. Because not a picture of how she actually looks today. They said that the tipster looked at the NCMEC National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's photo of Highsmith and recognized and reported a potential sighting. Now, here's the story of what happened in 71. Highsmith's mother, a recently separated mother who had just moved to Fort Worth and was working as a waitress at the time, had placed an advertisement in the local newspaper for a babysitter to watch over her daughter. A woman responded to the ad and agreed to meet Highsmith's mother at the restaurant where she worked, but the respondent never, never showed up. Later on, the prospective babysitter called Highsmith's mother and expressed interest in the job, saying she had a big yard and cared for other children. Highsmith's mother hired the babysitter. The babysitter picked up the 21-month-old toddler while she was in the care of her mother's roommate, and her mother was at work. Her mother's roommate said, the woman who picked Highsmith up at the time seemed nice and dressed to impress, wearing white gloves even. 
Highsmith had not seen her mother since her mother called law enforcement the day she disappeared in 71. They found her living as an adult. Pictures on the website. There are good endings. I wonder what her life had been like. All right, another disturbing story. Have you have you heard about the lady that was beheaded in where was it? It was in San Mateo County. Karina Castro. She was beheaded by a man with a sword on Bay Area Street. She knows she had a restraining order against him. He was a former boyfriend. They had a one-year-old child together, who is now without both her parents. And it was right in front of her home. She was 27 years old. Was killed in San Carlos, located 20 miles south of San Francisco, just steps away from the home containing her two daughters, aged one and seven. The one-year-old was from him. Her father told the NBC Bay Area that his daughter had a restraining order against the killer. He returned there with two of his friends, walked right past the police. They saw him. They arrested him on the spot. There's, there's video of them having to, the police taking a water hose and cleaning off the sidewalk where all the gore and blood was from her beheading. What's going on? What is going on? To me, this is just like the other stories of murder, murdering family members. If I can't have you, nobody's going to have you. You can't tell me that this isn't influenced by the devil. One murder affects so many people. You have the first responders that are never the same. Joe Kenda, he spent, what, 30 years in Colorado Springs, and he is not the same. He wakes up, he used to wake up screaming most nights because of things that happened and the things he would dream about. If this man wrote a note, what do you think he would say? What do you think he would say? I had no choice. Things were bad. I didn't know what else to do. got another story here about have you heard about the vegan florida mother who's convicted of starving her 18 month old son she's a little leery 38 learned her fate last monday about her sentencing hearing it was delayed four times following her conviction in late june of first degree murder in the 2019 death of her son she was handed two 30-year sentences for aggravated child abuse and aggravated manslaughter of a child an additional five-year term for child abuse and child neglect to be served concurrently. Now, her husband, Ryan O'Leary, 33, he remains in jail while waiting trial on the same charges. But in early August, additional counts of sexual assault on a victim younger than 12 and lewd and lascivious behavior on a victim younger than 12, were filed against the dad. 
investigators said O'Leary told them that the family ate only raw fruits and vegetables, although Ezra, the youngest child, was also breastfed milk. The 18-month-old boy weighed only 17 pounds, 7 pounds below average. It was the size of a 7-month-old baby when he died in September 2019. This is over two years ago. And an autopsy found that Ezra died of malnutrition complications. This is horrible. How would you not know? You take your... When you have a new baby nowadays, every six months you have to take it to the doctor and you're supposed to get something called a wellness check, a well baby check. And one of the things they look at is the weight. Where was the doctors intervening in this? Is this because of political ideologies so evil what did the doc what did the doctor say hey you need to feed this child o'leary and her husband had two other children ages three and five who were also malnourished investigators said a fourth child age 11 had been returned to her biological father during an earlier malnutrition case in virginia so are these your heroes if you're a vegan? Well, they're fighting the man and they're going to feed their children the way they want to feed their children. I'm, I'm appalled. Children need nutrition. And when they were charged on a malnutrition case earlier, why was nothing done? One of the things I find interesting in this case is the comments that I found on this, this is the story from the New York Post, as reported by the New York Post. And I found the comments very informative. Many decades ago, a control experiment was done on isolated volunteers who ate only raw foods, including raw meat. All of them lost weight and continued to lose weight until the experiment was ended for safety reasons. Basically, we humans have been cooking for so long now that we've evolved to the point where we can no longer survive on raw food. The next comment, both the parents look okay, not to argue, but I have vegan friends, a wife and husband, and they are super healthy. I couldn't eat like they do, but they do fine, and all their kids did fine. Something else happened here. The child must have been given any, have not been given anything at all to eat and zero vitamins. And the final comment, I understand people want to eat a certain way for themselves, but when it comes to newborn, you cannot force your choice of diet on them. My heart goes out to the dead baby and surviving children. However, I hope every day she thinks about her actions. And by the way, good luck eating in prison. I doubt they are going to feed her just nuts and berries. Someone put, yes, good luck to her indeed. Prisons accommodate kosher diets, but not vegan diets at all. I got another story. Dad shoots his kids in the head after mom kisses them goodnight. Florida Sheriff says, and that's really all there is to the story. I'll play a little of it right here. Good 
children asleep, leaves them there with the children's father, her husband, and runs to the restroom because she has to go to the bathroom. While she's going to the bathroom, she hears several gunshots. She initially believed that the gunshots happened right outside her residence, but then sometime uh, shortly thereafter said these gunshots were too close. Fearing for her own life, she runs outside. When she runs outside, she encounters her next-door neighbor. He had already made a frantic 911 call to our communication center saying that he heard several gunshots. She takes over the phone call and starts talking to our 911 dispatcher. As that phone call is occurring, the husband, the children's father, walks outside carrying the eight-year-old son, saying, call for help, call for help, call for help. Our deputies and Hillsborough County Fire Rescue rush to the scene and, and are there a short time later. When our deputies initially arrive on scene, they see the father in the family room cradling the eight-year-old son, saying it was an accident. They're like, sir, what do you mean it was an accident? It was an accident. I don't know how the gun went off. I accidentally shot my son. Fire Rescue gets there and does a wonderful job of initiating every life-saving measure that they can think of to prepare this child to be transported to Tampa General Hospital. The detectives on scene then say, is there anyone else inside the residence? Is there anyone else here? They said, he, the husband says, my, my, my five-year-old daughter's upstairs sleeping. Deputies go upstairs only to make the gruesome discovery that there's a five-year-old laying in a top bunk, laying in a pool of her own blood. Um, she is shot two to three times in her head. The same injury that the eight-year-old had sustained and suffered from. Paramedics come upstairs, again, begin life-saving measures, and rush both children to Tampa General Hospital. Our five-year-old victim has been pronounced deceased. Our eight-year-old is fighting for his life. He went to surgery uh, last evening, and um, this morning um, is fighting for his life as the wonderful, wonderful doctors and staff at Tampa General Hospital are doing everything they can to, to save this young boy's life. This is a... a this is a case that, and an experience that no parent should have to live through, and that no law enforcement officer or first responder should ever have to witness. Um, we, as a sheriff's officer, are struggling today. Our our detectives are, and deputies who were on scene are, are going to need some help, and we're bringing some counselors in to try to get them through this this gruesome scene that they had to witness and detectives have to work through as they continue to put the pieces of the puzzle together here. Arrested is Jermaine Lavanda Bass. He's 30 years of age. His date of birth is 4-27-1992. He has been charged with first-degree premeditated murder and first-degree attempted premeditated murder and aggravated child abuse. I hope that this individual feels the full weight of the criminal justice system and never sees the light of day where he can ever be in a... That's horrible. Horrible, absolutely horrible. What's going on? Why are these things happening? If he wrote a note, what would he say in that note? Her mother, their mother and I couldn't get along. I don't know what to do. I had no other choice. Was he going to 
pull the gun on himself, but didn't have the courage. Was the devil involved? I'd say yes. I would say yes. Have you heard about the autistic woman? Who died on a couch that she had been confined to for 12 years. Louisiana couple has been indicted on second-degree murder charges in the death of their severely autistic daughter who was discovered fused to a sofa by her own excrement, insisted that she never wanted to leave the couch. Clay, 65, and Sheila Fletcher, 64, were arrested last Monday and indicted by grand jury on second-degree murder charges in the death of Lacey Fletcher, 36. whose emaciated body partly submerged in a hole in the couch at their home in January. These stories are horrific. They're worse than anything you could could have been dreamt up by Stephen King. This popped up on my radar because I've heard, I've been following stories actually. This is something I, I've seen in the media very sporadically, maybe three times before. And there's usually an obese man and he'd live in a trailer or some other cheap dwelling in America. And he would be confined to an easy chair. And he just decided he would lose his will to live. Always a man. He'd lose his will to live. He would say, Oh, my knees or legs hurt too much. This is when you completely give up on life. But they always ate fast food and candy bars and sodas and things like that. Which is unique because I've heard that in different cases of demonic activity. I mean, I, mean, I have. Um, something about gluttony. It's a sin. It's like demons hide in the sin. It's also a way to destroy, which is the devil's MO. What I'm saying is, in these different cases where these murders are happening, and you call me a fanatic, but I'm telling you, these aren't my thoughts, but after I've been doing these documentaries and researching these different evil things, I'm thinking there are demons inside these people that do it. It's not like the exorcist where pea shoot, pea soup is shooting out and their head is spinning around. But there are low-level demons inside of these people, not overtaking them, but convincing them, nudging them towards these evil things they do. They do that by isolating. They isolate these people, and that's basically what you're hearing in the notes. I had no other choice. They're making these people think they had no other choice. The man sitting on his easy chair and his own feces, just never getting up, 100% not getting up, just sitting there, I'm here, and that's it. And all these stories I've seen before, and I'll, I'll tell you what, on midnightrad.io, I'm going to put these stories that I'm talking about, I'm going to put links to them so you can watch it. 
uh, they just stayed there and they were all married. Not only were they married to a woman and the woman enabled them in these cases, but they also had a roommate. They would have a roommate. And they would get angry and maybe even violent if they tried to persuade them to get off the couch. And also, it would always end by this person getting real sick and the fire department, emergency services being called and them actually having to cut a hole in the wall of the house and having to crane these people out. They got so big. Wow. Can you imagine? You think you're big. Everybody puts on weight as they get older, but can you imagine being so big you can't get out of your house? But they're also fused to the sofa each time. So I've heard of these stories before. This time is different. It's different in many ways. Lacey Fletcher, 36, when she died, she came down with, she was diagnosed with Asperger's when she was 16. Like she didn't have it before. She had a severe, the, according to her doctor, she had a severe onset of autism at 16. So you cannot be born with it, but all of a sudden get it. Hello, I never heard of that before. But also, right then, her parents pulled her out of school, and then after that, she was homeschooled. Now, the coroner said that, yes, according to what he sees, she was on that couch for 12 years, unmoving. She's 36, ladies and gentlemen. Let me do the math for you. Uh, She was like in her 20s. 36 minus 12. 24. When she stopped moving at all, ever, off that couch, all she did was stay there. She was there for 12 years. Let me continue the story here. They told the investigators that their daughter, who developed some degree of Asperger's syndrome at ninth grade when she started becoming homeschooled, would use a couch or a nearby towel as her bathroom. On the website, there'll be a photo of Lacey Fletcher. It was taken when she was 16. The coroner believes that she was left on there for 12 years. Now, the coroner is Dr. Well. Bickham the third. He said that based on the evidence, it really looks like she wasn't moved for 12 years. And he also said that according to the medical records, it shows that Lacey did not have a primary care physician. But in 2010, the parents went to the doctor's office without Lacey and asked his advice on what to do. 2010. All this is about 12 years ago. Bickham said she's increasingly not wanting to leave that house, not wanting to leave the sofa, just totally recluse. So this was documented. Bickham said the doctor told her parents to bring their doctor to the hospital, yet she was never admitted and no treatment was provided. Bickham said if you have anyone in your family, the message is if you have anyone in your family with a mental health condition or disability, get help. In the horrific scene discovered on January 3rd, Lacey's emaciated body was found partially naked, sitting upright and partially submerged 
in a hole in a couch covered from head to toe in urine, liquid feces, maggots, and insect bites at her parents. Otherwise, neat single-family home in Slaughter, Louisiana. Bickham said they opened the door, they walked in the house, there was a stench and odor, feces, fecal matter, urine, you just you couldn't even hold your breath against it. Her feet were crossed underneath her on the couch, deep inside the hole, that her long-suffering body had worn through both the upholstery and the cushion. Lacey had fecal matter shoved on her face, chest and abdomen, her hair was matted, knotted, And filled with maggots. She weighed less than 100 pounds at age 36. The sheriff said that he had been a sheriff for six years and seen a lot of things, but nothing like that. Now they were indicted on second degree murder charges. Wow. It was said that the images of the condition Lacey was found in were so horrific and upsetting that at the sentencing, medics would be on standby for members of the jury. He added that the photos of the scene left those in the room speechless. The father was completely emotionless at his sentencing. The mother's head was lying down between her legs. She was weeping a little bit. The prosecutor said, when I was presenting the case and showed the pictures and gave the timeline, the expressions on the grand jury was of utter shock, like the clock on the wall never moved. The coroner said that the case had been really hard on him and on him personally. So, they were sentenced It's the highest charge that they could get, a minimum of 12 years. Now, Sheila Fletcher was a member of the city council, and about three weeks after the death of her daughter, then she stepped down. They said the the cause of death stemmed from severe medical neglect, which led to chronic malnutrition, acute starvation and mobility, acute ulcer formation, Osteomyelitis, which is bone infection, which led finally to sepsis. After 12 years, I I would think all of those would be present as somebody. So basically, she she was rotting alive from outside all the way into her bone. And it took, it was a long, slow, hard death too. Very, very, very torturous. I can't imagine the pain. And I've never seen autism that bad. I've never even heard of it that bad. If you have, call me, let me know. Um, phone number is 325-261-0892. I feel for that lady so much. I would think no one could last a year. It would have been a miracle if somebody could have lasted a year under those conditions. They found in her stomach pieces of foam from the couch with feces on it. 
So she was actually eating the couch to help stay alive. What kind of parent could have let that happen to their child? It's There was a doctor, I think it was the DA. Oh, he's, let's see. The only diagnosis that I know that she did have was first social anxiety, severe autism, and that's it. Those are only two diagnoses. That's all she had. The DA calls it a crime against humanity. The sheriff said, you don't treat anybody or any animal like that. Something had to be done, and they got together, and they did it. Second-degree murder. How you could have your child on a couch in an otherwise neat home, completely untaken care of, not moving, going to the bathroom on their cells, and there was a point in your mind you were like, okay, well, that's the way it is. The mother let it be like that. The father let it be like that. This is unbelievable. It really is. I mean, there's no explanation in my mind. You go to work, you're smiling, there's pictures of them, you know, having a good time, wearing football jerseys and even pictures of them in their home. How are you going to have Christmas dinner or celebrate Thanksgiving when you got your daughter there? I can't imagine. Well, what are some scenarios? And I'm not saying these are true, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying, what would some scenarios be? Maybe they did something to this girl. Maybe she had some kind of injury from the father or the mother. Maybe she was injured in the head and they didn't. Well, if we we take her to the hospital, they'll know what we did. I can maybe seeing that be a be something that happened. What do you think? Three two five two six one zero eight nine two. Broadcasting live on midnightrad.io. These stories, these are dark stories, aren't they? You can go to our website. You can check these stories out for yourself. See these pictures. I'd like to know what you think about it. A lot of times, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think at all. Again, within the next 24 hours, I'm going to be releasing the behind the scenes to the Soul Collector. Myself and brother Joachim are watching the documentary together and him commenting on the different things. That's going to be available to paid members only, $5, and it'll never be released to general. So unless you're a paid member, you can't see it, but you can go to anchor.fm slash midnight rad and become a, a regular member. It's free, absolutely free. And on there, you're going to see everything eventually. You know, usually I put everything out early for that. You can get midnight radio. You don't have to go to anchor. You can go to midnight radio in any of your podcast apps. We're in the iTunes store. We're in, we're on Amazon. You can tell your smart speaker to play midnight radio. And you can listen to this broadcast right now. You'll be listening to the broadcast, to the podcast of the broadcast. We're going to be 
publishing a schedule soon of when we're going to do a live broadcast and you guys can call in and I'd love to talk to you about these things. I'm not an expert by any means. I investigate these things and I get the information and I talk about them, but I am, and nobody is as strong as a whole group of people putting their minds together and thinking about these things. It's very powerful. It's what you want to do. Again, we can still talk. You can still call me. Even if you're not listening live, that phone number is 325-261-0892. Call that number. Leave me up to a three-minute message, and I will get back with you on here. I'll play your message on here. And let's say you have a question for Brother Maybe you have a problem. Maybe you have a demon or know somebody with a demon and need an exorcist. I can help you out. I can get you in contact with Brother Joachim. So you can get real help with that. I want to thank you for tuning in. I'd like to thank all of you. I'd like to thank our paid members. You keep this going. Uh... I really appreciate your support. Going to have new articles up on the website. See, what am I going to have? I'm going to have an article for this broadcast right here, so you can go over everything here. I'm going to have links to all the articles I read. I'm going to let you know about the Pell Horse. I'm going to put a, I'll even put a picture up there about a haunted toilet. I want to know if any of you have experienced a haunted toilet or any other haunted object like that before. you want to follow us you can join us on youtube if you want to that's midnight radio good luck finding it though but you'll have better luck going to our website and we'll have a link to our youtube account up there yeah we're kind of deep 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 down on youtube right now that's all right you've been listening to midnight radio until next time good night and god bless